Colossians chapter 1, and I'll just read uh, those first two verses again. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, I wonder how you uh, introduce yourself to new people uh, who you know you are going to get to know better over a long period of time. Maybe a new, a new neighbor or perhaps a new colleague at work, uh, maybe a new visitor at the church, right? Uh, it is the first of many meetings. How do you introduce yourself? Well, when I was growing up uh, in Zambia, in rural Zambia, uh, having pen pals was a big thing. Uh, pen pals are people who regularly write letters uh, to each other. And starting a pen pal friendship always hinged uh, on that important first letter of introduction. So you're writing for the first time and you want to tell the other person uh, about yourself. And it is based on what you write about yourself, right, that the other person is going to find you, well, is going to decide whether you're worth corresponding with or not. And as I was thinking about um, that, I suppose in some way, this letter of Paul to the church at Colossae is a bit like writing to pimples. It must have felt like that for Paul, because Paul had never met these believers before at Colossae. Uh, the book of Acts uh, records that when Paul was arrested in Jerusalem, uh, he was taken to Rome, right? In fact, Paul requested to be taken to Rome. Uh, he wanted to be tried before the emperor Caesar. He wanted Caesar to decide his case. But when Paul got to Rome, right, he spent two years uh, waiting for his trial. And during this time, he was still a prisoner, right? But he was able to continue supporting the new churches that he had helped support. Uh, some of them he had helped planted. Uh, he had helped to plant. Some of them he had just known about. And he would support them through writing letters to them and even sending messengers to them. Now, before Paul was arrested, he had lived in the city of Ephesus uh, for three years. And it was there that Paul met a man called Epaphras. Epaphras was originally from Colossae, uh, a city in Phrygia, in the Roman province of Asia. It is about 100 miles east of Ephesus. Now, while they were at Ephesus, Paul and Epaphras, Paul sent Epaphras to share the gospel at Colossae and the neighboring cities of Laodicea and Hierapolis. Uh, these three cities are located in what is known as the Lycus Valley, and which is in modern-day Turkey today. Uh, at the time, uh, these three cities were a mixture of Greeks, Jews, and Phrygians. Now, at some point, Epaphras is reunited with Paul in Rome. We don't know whether Epaphras is arrested and he goes to, and finds himself in, in Rome, but he's there, right? And he tells his mentor, Paul, about the churches he has planted and the various challenges that these churches are facing. 
Now, Paul has never met these new believers in these three cities in the Lycus Valley. But they know who Paul is, of course, through the work of Epaphras. So what does Paul decide to do? Well, Paul decides to write two letters to encourage them in their faith. One of the letters is to the church at Laodicea, which is lost to history. And there is this letter to the church at Colossae. This letter to the Colossians is the first communication from Paul to them. So Paul is writing like a pen poem, isn't it? To establish a long-term relationship with them. But unlike a normal pen poem later, right? The Apostle Paul isn't writing to impress them. No, he's writing to communicate eternal truths to them. And yet, like a normal letter, right, Paul starts off by answering that all-important question, isn't it? Who am I? Who is this man, Paul? And in this opening verse of verse 1 here, um, Paul introduces himself. But what we should bear in mind as we read verse 1 is that Paul isn't just introducing himself. Uh, Paul's self-introduction, in some sense, is their introduction. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that Paul is, in this introduction, is indirectly teaching them how they should think about themselves as new followers of Jesus. So Paul, basically in verse 1, is saying, this is who I am, and because you also trust in Jesus, this is who you are. He wants them and us to know who we are as Christians, right? Now, knowing who we are is very important in life, right? Life grows in the soil of identity. When we don't really know who we are, our life feels very empty. We cannot function. And you would know that already just if you know people in your life that perhaps are experiencing memory loss late in life. It's a terrible thing not knowing who you are. We cannot function. We lack direction and purpose. And this is not only true for individuals, but it's also true corporately as a local church. In fact, we might even say it's true for the country. A country that doesn't know itself cannot go very far. So it's important to know who you are in life. And it is important for us as believers to know who we are. So what does Paul's self-introduction in verse 1 teach us about who we are as followers of Jesus? Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. What is Paul really? What does Paul want us to take from that about who we are? I think we could summarize that as simply saying what Paul is teaching us in this verse is that we are new people in Christ. We are new people in Christ. That, I think, is the main thing that Paul wants us to pick up from this verse. Now, the Bible uh, uses many images to explain what it means for us to be Christians, right? It uses many images. The Lord Jesus said, a new Christian is like a newborn baby. John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered him, that's Nicodemus, truly, truly, I said to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And as we read Paul's letter uh, in, in chapter 2, uh, in, in Colossians here, and we go to chapter 2, verse 3, we will find there that Paul compares a Christian to a corpse that was dead and buried in sin, but is now risen from death. Uh, chapter 2, verse 13 says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So we've got two images there. From Jesus, we see the image of new birth. From Paul, we see the image of a resurrection, right? What are these two images trying to tell us about what it means to be a Christian? Well, what they're telling us, first and foremost, is that all of us enter this world dead on arrival. All human beings enter into this world cut off from the life of God. But God, by his grace, you see, does something amazing. He breathes new life into every person who trusts in Jesus. They become a new person. Every follower of Jesus has new life from God. And this new life is now that defines our identity, you see. Our new identity is that we're new people in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian is. That's a Christian identity. I am a new person. In Christ. And I think this is the first truth that Paul wants the new believers at Colossae to understand and to keep front and center. And it will become very clear over the next two messages. But we particularly see it, I think, in verse 1 here. Paul teaches this truth first and foremost here in verse 1, in, here by example, doesn't he? Uh, in, 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 in verse 1, he introduces himself to them as a fellow Christian who has now a new life in Christ. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. The original name of Paul is not Paul, is it? Right? It is what? Saul of Tarsus. Paul used that name before he became a Christian. He's not using it now, but he used it then. Now, he calls himself Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. The apostles were special messengers, weren't they, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a special office established by Christ. They were the foundation of the church. And Paul says here, I am now an apostle. And he was not always an apostle. Before Paul met Jesus, Paul was at the forefront of murdering followers of Jesus. He prided himself in opposing the name of Christ. We read that from 1 Timothy. I used to be a blasphemer and an insolent opponent of the church. Paul was there when, when Stephen was being murdered. That was the badge of honor he wore that he murdered Christians. But you see, one day on his trip uh, to persecute Christians in Damascus, Christ turned Paul's life upside down. Paul heard the voice of Christ, literally. He came under a heavy conviction of sin. And in the days and weeks that followed, he repented and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. What had happened to Paul is called regeneration, isn't it? God breathed 
new life into Paul, which resulted in repentance from sin and true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> God gave Paul new spiritual eyes to see that our only hope of salvation is to trust in the precious death of Jesus on the cross for our sins. And Paul did that. He repented of his sins. He put his trust in Christ. And from that time, God declared Paul right and innocent before God forever. Paul became a new person inside. And a new person judicially before God. Because all of his sins, you see, his past, present, future sins, were all wiped clean by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, you see, as this former murderer of Christians writes this letter years after his conversion, he proudly declares his new identity. He starts off this letter not saying so. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, What is the will of God? Well, the will of God is simply what God wants. That's the way I I summarize it. The will of God is what God wants. Right? Paul is saying, I am living this new life in Christ, serving as an apostle because it is God's will for me. You see, before Paul became a new person, he was fighting against God. He was a rebel against God. But now Paul lives to promote God's agenda in the world. Paul lives to do what God wants. And notice that because Paul has this new life in Christ, he also has a new family in Christ. Did you notice that? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. A man who used to hand down Christians is now... Happy to call them brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, the Colossians had never met Timothy, uh, who is writing this letter with Paul. Uh, They are probably never even heard of Timothy, right? And so Paul says to them, look, I'm writing this with Timothy, and what I want you to know about Timothy is that he's our brother. Don't miss that. Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy... Our brother, including he is the brother of the Colossians as well as the brother of Paul, right? He's a spiritual member of the family. So what Paul is saying, look, to them is that our new life in Christ means that we are all now part of a new family in Christ. And so we have now those three things, isn't it? Paul has a new life in Christ with a new purpose to live for God, to do what God wants, and it comes with being in this new family in Christ. And that is the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah. Paul wants to establish. The bottom line is this. What is true for Paul is true for them. He has a new life. They have a new life because they trust in Christ. And it is also true for us today. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, the truest thing about your life is that you have a new life in Christ. And you must remember that this is 
your fundamental identity. You do not belong to your old and regenerate and dead life of sin anymore if you're trusting in Jesus. God has now transformed you. He has given you a new identity in Christ. And I would say, as a follower of Jesus, you already sense this new life in your heart. If you're truly converted, you already sense this. You already sense that your interests and desires are not what they used to be in the past. And even if you have always known Christ from a young age, as many do, as you have continued to grow in your faith, you increasingly find you are different from others. You know, if you are converted when you're young, perhaps you didn't have sort of a poor moment, right? (laughs) Like a massive change in your life. You've always known Christ since a young age. But the truth of the matter is that even if that's the case, you are still finding that every day that passes, you are growing, you're drifting and drifting, drifting from the world. You and the world are continually growing apart. Your friends who do not know Jesus have different desires. You find their tests and interests increasingly at war with your desire to live for Jesus. And that is because, beloved, you are different inside. You have a new nature given to you by the Holy Spirit. And this new nature only wants to live for Christ. And that's the, that, that, that is one of the questions we must ask. In fact, it is the question we must ask ourselves. Do I notice this divergence between what I want to do and what the world wants to do? You know, we need to be, ask ourselves about that question seriously. Because there are many people who treat Christianity like changing clothes, right? On Sunday, they are Christians. On any other day of the week, they live for themselves. According to this passage, such people are not true followers of Jesus. A true Christian has a changed life because what? They are truly changed inside. You know, someone once told me, you know, I was speaking to somebody. In fact, I was here in the church, actually. Um, I had come for a coffee morning once. And we used to have those coffee mornings uh, in the church. And I came here and I chatted to a, to a man at the coffee morning. And he said to me, Chola, I asked the man, I said, are you a Christian? Because yes, I'm a Christian. He told me at the coffee morning. He says, Chola, I have been baptized for five years. But I am still same old me. I have not changed one bit, he told me. I never let religion change me. I was like, right, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> what do you make of that? Many people are like that, aren't they? They regularly attend church and yet they constantly maybe slander others. They have not let Jesus change them. There are people who have said a prayer to invite Jesus in their heart, but they still indulge in pornography and many other sins. They have said to themselves, I won't let Jesus change me. I am still the same me. 
Now, beloved, we are at the start of the new year. Listen to me very carefully. If you are what you have always been, you are not a true Christian. If you are what you have always been, like that man told me, you are not a true Christian. A true Christian is a new person, fashioned by God himself. Paul is writing, he's saying, Paul, not so. An apostle of Christ Jesus, not a murderer of followers of Christ Jesus. He had experienced change. Living by the will of God, not by the will of man. A true Christian is a changed person. Following Jesus is not a matter of fact, knowing facts about Jesus. It's about receiving a new heart transplant that results in living for Christ. It is about God cracking open your chest. It removes your dead heart corroded by sin and filth and it replaces it with a new heart fashioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't just get a new heart, beloved. God plugs that new heart into the very life of God so that you now live in God and God, his spirit, lives in you. And the dramatic result, you see, is that your life now starts growing, becoming more like Jesus. As you spend more and more time with him. Every day the goodness of Christ is increasingly replacing your moral filth. Each passing week the love of Christ is becoming your true love. Every month his desires are becoming your desires. Every year the life of God is as it were flowing with increasing Intensity, as it were, in your spiritual veins. Of course you still sin. We are sinners. And indeed, you become more sensitive to just how sinful you are. Do you get that? The more you grow in Christ, the more sensitive you become to just how sinful you are. And yet, like John Newton, you are able to look back at you. You are able to say, I am not what I should be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. That's the Christian. All true followers of Jesus know something of this experience. They are growing in this new life in Christ. And the question we have to ask ourselves today, uh, this morning, is this. <coughs> Does this describe your life today? Can you say with Paul that God has changed you from a life of sin to a life that truly trusts in the Lord Jesus? Can you say with Paul that you are living a changed life? Well, if the answer is no then you're not a true follower of Jesus. You're still living in the old life of sin and heading for everlasting punishment. And at the beginning of this year, it's a wonderful opportunity, isn't it, for you to examine your life regardless of how young or old you are, to come afresh now to Christ. Repent of your rebellion against God. Plead to God to give you a new repentant heart, a heart that truly trusts in Jesus. Don't live in 2022 bound for hell as you were in 2021. 
Don't start it with delusions of a false salvation, a false comfort that somehow you are heaven bound. Start 2022 with a new heart that has a new home in heaven. If you are trusting in Christ, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because then this passage is saying to you, like Paul, you are also a new person in Christ. This is the truest thing about you. And the question, therefore, you ask yourself is this, what difference should that make then? Well, I'm a new person like Paul, so what difference should that make? Well, as we go through the letter of Colossians, we're going to see the huge difference this truth makes, right? But I just want to leave you with three quick things today to get you thinking uh, about what implications this new life in Christ has for you. There are just three things. First of all, give God your thanks. The first thing you should do, now that you know, or now that you're reminded this morning that you have a new life in Christ, give God your thanks for this new life in Christ. Make 2022 to be about you giving thanks to God for the new life you have in Christ. Our new life in Christ is a life of infinite blessings. Oh, beloved, just take a look at some of the blessings of this new life that Paul mentions in this first chapter. I know we didn't read the first chapter, but if you have it open in front of you, (coughs) there, you will see just by glancing in that first chapter, just some of the blessings. First of all, in verse 2 there, you see that we are set, aren't we? We are set apart for God. You are set apart for God. That's verse 2. Verse 2 also says, God is now your father. You have a home in heaven. That's verse 5. You have the spirit of God. Verse 8. You are free from the power of darkness. Verse 13. You are in the kingdom of Christ. Verse 13. You are forgiven. He forgave us all our sins. Verse 14. You are reconciled to God. Verse 21. Verse 22, rather. You are being kept holy and blameless before him. Verse 22 makes that point, doesn't it? That Christ would deliver us on that day, holy and blameless before God. You jump to verse 27, what do you see? Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. Beloved, whatever is going on in the world, whatever is going on in your life, If you are in Christ, the glass is always full. If you are in Christ, you have no reason to be downcast. You have a wonderful new life in Christ. Your danger, your biggest danger in life is that you forget this. And so God gets Paul to write it down for us, preserve it in the word. And God appoints preachers to remind you of this truth. To encourage you to go back. Perhaps this afternoon, just read read chapter 1. And just ask yourself, what does it tell me about what I have now in Christ? And you're going to find the whole long list. I only ended in chapter, on verse 27 there. But you go to chapter 2, 3, 4. It's all there. Give God your thanks for these and many more blessings 
of your new life in Christ. Because you must give God thanks because you enjoy these blessings, not because you deserve them. All of us in Christ can say with Paul, can't we, that we are the worst of sinners. So the new life in Christ is not something we have earned. It is a free and gracious gift of God in Jesus. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that that's precisely what verse 2 says. We enjoy grace and peace from God. So first of all, give God your thanks. The second thing uh, we, we should do is you should let this truth remind you, uh, or rather you, you should let this, let this reminder that we are new people in Christ give you a new perspective on life. This truth should change the way you think. You should begin to see yourself as having a life that is now bound up with Christ. Because your identity, as you, as, as you see, as, as you continue to see as we go through Colossians, is now in Christ. And this means that no matter how much you mess up, no matter how much you let God down with your sin, if you are truly converted, okay, if you are a true follower of Jesus, your sin does not define you. Your identity is that you are a new person who has been cleansed by the blood of Christ. Your sin is in us, but it is not intrinsically who you are. It does not define you. The Lord Jesus does. And so when you sin, you must confess your sin, truly repent of it, and rest in his forgiving grace. At the same time, because you, are, you have a new life in Christ, you are never hopeless against the struggle to break free from sin. From sinful patterns. The Christian shouldn't be saying, oh, I'm addicted to this. No, you've chosen to be addicted because you have been set free from the power of sin. God, the Holy Spirit has given you a new spiritual heart transplant. You have the very life of Christ in you. His, his power is growing to make you more and more like him. And so whatever struggles you are facing or you are likely to face in 2022, any sin you are likely to face, there is always hope that you can break free from that sin. Because you are no longer under the power of sin. You are now in Christ. So today, go to Christ afresh. Repent of that sin you are tolerating. Ask our precious Savior to give you fresh power to live out your new life in Christ. Here's the third and final thing this truth means for us. You must let your new life in Christ finally change how you relate to the world around you. The world does not define you. Christ now defines you. You see, this year the world will tempt you to find your identity in things you're doing. Maybe a, a, a favorite hobby you've got. Or perhaps some area of serving in the church. 
Now, these activities are not bad in themselves, but they can become a magnet of identity because they, can, they give us a sense of purpose and importance in life. I mean, it is quite shocking, I have to say, that for those of us who serve in the life of the church, serving can actually be an idol. I mean, I know it sounds quite, it sounds bizarre, doesn't it? Because God has, you're meant to serve God, but you can make the thing you're doing for God an idol. Bizarre, isn't it? I mean, you think, who does that? But we do. Building our identity on what we do is foolish, isn't it? Because things we do will always come to an end. If I build my identity on preaching, one day I won't preach. Then what? If I build my identity on being a teacher, one day I won't teach. Then what? That'll be the end of me. I'll, I'll end up with a very empty life at the end. You see the folly of building your identity on things you do. If your identity is in things you do, one day the things you do will end and your life will crumble with it. So don't build your identity on things you do. This year the world will tempt you to find your identity in things you have. This may be a good family you've got, or a good job, or riches, or other things. The world will say to you, unless you have this latest outfit, or you own this gadget, or your child performs like this, you are a nobody. That's what the world says, right? The world will say to you, unless you have this career with this level of money and live in this type of house and have this circle of friends, well, you're a loser. If you don't have that, you're a loser. But building your identity on what, based on what you have is self-worship. It makes you self-focused. It's tiring. And remember that in the end, no matter what we have, in the end, we'll lose it. We brought nothing in this world and we are not taking anything out. You must remember that no one is getting out of this world alive unless the Lord Jesus descends in glory. Don't build your identity on what you do. Don't build your identity on what you have. And certainly don't build your identity on what you feel or desire. Because you see, the world this year will tempt you to see yourself in terms of what you desire. It will say to you, follow your heart. Or you are what you feel. But building your identity on your feelings or what you desire cannot bring peace. It is empty, isn't it? Because our feelings and our desires are always changing. You don't have the same desires today that you had when you were a teenager. Teenagers, you're not going to have the same desires in a year's time. Especially if you're a teen, your desires are changing continuously. As followers of Jesus, we must reject 
any temptation to see ourselves based on what we do, what we have, or what we feel or desire. This is not who we are. And Paul, in this opening self-introduction, has taught us by example that our identity in life is that we are new people in Christ. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother. God had transformed his life. He had given him a new life. And Paul, at the beginning of this letter, is saying to us, if you are trusting in Jesus like I am, know from my life that I'm a changed person. You are a changed person too. I'm a new person. You are a new person too. This is the truest thing about you. The truest thing about you is that you're a new person with a new mission to live for God and a new family in Christ. So as we start a new year, may the Lord help us as individuals and as his church to grow in knowing who we are in Christ. Amen.